uh, David's right. I was pastor at North Langley for lots of years, but um, now they've got a young guy. <clears throat> and it's always interesting to uh, sort of, you know, see how people react. Janet, my wife Janet, is still on staff there at the church, so she was welcoming people, getting, you know, new people in the foyer, and um, uh, someone from just you know, the road behind the church was visiting and had been uh, talking to Janet in the foyer and, and uh, Janet says, oh, great to see you here. And she said, yeah, you know, I, I came uh, a few years ago, uh, but there, there, the guy that was speaking, I, I just couldn't understand what he was saying. But the new guy is so clear, so clear. I get it, you know. And Janet, of course, smiled and she didn't know that uh, that was my wife and, you know, and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, humbling. Uh, but um, I get it because I totally understand what the guy, the new guy, is saying too. So uh, I was, uh, and and of course, uh, uh, North Langley has a, an eight o'clock service, which is crazy. I mean, it's dark and raining, and uh, oh. but anyway, I can uh, I can attend service there, which I did this morning, and uh, I can still get to most of the churches in the Lower Mainland uh, who have sane hours for worship like you do and uh and and so that's nice because in my work as conference minister now uh, i have the privilege of traveling around the province and visiting our churches we're about 100 mennonite brethren churches in bc and so my job is uh you know now to encourage the pastors and uh, sometimes i get calls when there's uh, things going wrong which um actually i i regularly get calls when there's things going wrong and, uh, and so just able to come alongside and, uh, and try to be an encouragement uh, to, our, to our churches and to the pastors and leaders. And it's a lot of, a, a lot of joy. I, I really appreciate it. And I enjoy the worship uh, with other uh, churches. Although this was a unique sort of worship we've had so far. So we, we haven't really sung a song yet, or, uh, but we're going to do that yet today. And I need to uh, make sure there's time for that, right? So uh, this service usually ends at what time? Five to twelve. Five to twelve. Thank you. It <laughs> gives himself a little buffer there. I, I get it. I get it. So uh, right. So stay on track. Good. I want to do that. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about signs, and this is the season of signs. Of course, Christmas is uh, full of sim- symbolic meaning and decorations in every. Uh, coffee shop, every store. Uh, I've got my red cups from Starbucks and Tim Hortons as well, and, and there's bells ringing and messages of peace on earth, people with red hats ringing bells at, outside of Walmart and uh, strategic places outside of the liquor store. I see there's one there everywhere. These guys are, people are smart, you know, I mean, they know where, where to set up, and uh, it's the season of signs, and, and uh, of course, not everybody uh, sees the same thing of the uh, stores are using Christmas to market stuff. And, you know, we're all used to that by now. We, uh, we roll our eyes uh, when the season starts. I don't know how early Starbucks started with Christmas, but it was ridiculous. I mean, it was like early November and they were already, and it's just like, you guys are shamelessly hijacking our holiday, our season of celebration for, for business. But uh, that's just the way it is. So I was interested to see this uh, picture here. One of the malls is uh, now marketing a... Uh, Oh, here's, uh, this is an atheist uh, slide. So the atheist uh, Santa, they're trying to hijack uh, Christmas as well. So the atheist Santa says, go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. And actually, they put this billboard up in many cities. 
uh, here's another sign that, uh, so one of the malls said, hey, listen, the fat uh, Santa guy, he's not attracting our clientele, so let's do sexy Santa. And uh, so hot Santa is here wearing the latest fashions, uh, hipster Santa, if you will, and uh, dragging a tree. So this is uh, one of the malls in, in, uh, in Toronto. And uh, next slide, Christians are trying to keep up, so we... Uh, we got Santa sweaters. Now, these would qualify for the ugly sweaters that uh, Mike was talking about here. This is, uh, this is a sweater you can order. Uh, don't know if this would win you any points at your uh, staff Christmas party. How about the next one? All right, keep Christ in Christmas. Yeah, and sometimes it, the signs and symbols of Christians trying to, you know, sort of fight back. I don't know if that's really what we should be doing. Is that the last sweater I have? Good. Don't want, to see, don't want to see any more of those. But in the Word of God, we see that this is the season of signs too. And when you're in the Gospel of Luke through this series, and uh, in the opening uh, chapters of Luke's Gospel, you see Luke is communicating to us and trying to give us a record. This physician uh, named Luke is trying to give us an accurate and ordered account of the events of Jesus' life. And I think people are eager for a sign. All of us look for signs in our lives. We, uh, when we're wanting to uh, find out God's will for our lives, we, we pray and we say, God, give me a sign. And certainly when you find people who really have no faith in God, they'll often say, well, why doesn't God like, give me a sign. Why doesn't he show himself? God, show, him, show yourself. And, and I, I think of that uh, Bruce Almighty movie, you know, where he was like, just give me a sign. Show me a sign. And the signs are flashing by, dead end, caution, stop here, you know. And, and, uh, and so, but people are looking for a sign from God. And, and that's quite normal. That's part of our journey. And so here in Luke's gospel, Luke is communicating to us and showing us that God is communicating signs to us. And so the story of Christmas is a story of a season of signs. Angels were appearing. Angelic visitors coming to announce things. Appearing to shepherds, to Mary, to Joseph. Uh, a man named Zechariah has a sign. He says, give me a sign. And the angel says, I'll give you a sign. You're not going to speak for the next nine months. And and uh, all of a sudden, this man is struck dumb, a sign to him. He asked for a sign, and that's what he got. And so these things are given to us. God is speaking to us. There's signs all around us. And the Bible also tells us that before the return of Christ, there will be many signs. And so this morning, I want to encourage us as we think about the signs of Christ coming to us. I, my prayer is that as we're thinking about the season our eyes will be opened, all of us, to see the signs that God is communicating to us of his presence. And also that we'll all be more alerted to the season that we're in, big picture, not just December, but what is God doing in the world today? What are the signs for us to look for? Because the Bible encourages us, we should be alert. God is at work and God is revealing himself. So you've already looked at some of the signs of the birth of Jesus Luke tells us at the opening of his gospel, he, he grounds everything in history. And that's a fascinating part of Luke. He tells us this is the time of Caesar Augustus. And uh, 
you know, I, Roman history is fascinating, but Caesar Augustus, nephew of Julius Caesar, victor over Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. I mean, this is grounded in the times of the Roman Empire. And, uh, and so God begins speaking to the descendants of Abraham. These are the Jews living under the thumb of the Roman legions. And this is out on the edge of the Roman Empire. And signs are coming. God is revealing himself. Luke is telling us there's a big, something big is happening. Out on the far fringes, there's Rome and Caesar Augustus. And over here in Palestine, God is sending signs. We know, of course, from Matthew's gospel, there's a star and there's wise men coming. There's angelic visitations. Something is happening. God is speaking. God is revealing himself. So I'm going to cover three things about signs. And if you have your Bibles or opening your iPhones or wherever you're finding your, your scripture today, Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be and verses 22 and following. And we read kind of a, uh, you know, um, uh, interactive narrative style of that in our scripture reading already. So three, three things about signs from God. The first thing about signs from God is there's a connection between seeing and being. Seeing and being. And uh, we're just going to, you're going to see that as we think about the, uh, we're introduced to the characters here. Verse 22, in the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary, they took him, they took Jesus to present him uh, to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So here's Joseph and Mary following the laws of Moses in the Old Testament and saying after a baby is born, there's, there, there's actually a few things that need to be done. The, the little Jewish boys were circumcised and then uh, the mother and father went for, uh, the mother went for purification and some scholars say, well, Joseph was in there too because he probably was a part of the, the birth, of the giving birth, so he also needed to be going to the temple for the purification rites that they had. And also, uh, there was a time of dedication of the firstborn and according to the laws of Moses that were given in scripture that the firstborn child was dedicated to the Lord. So they were fulfilling these duties. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation, uh, it, it's literally the word, word for coming alongside, for comfort, uh, and so this guy was waiting, Simeon, for God to come alongside Israel, to save Israel. Uh, because they, life sucked, honestly, for them as a country. They were an occupied territory, and they had promises from God that they would one day be free, and that God would pour out his glory on their country. They knew they had a destiny, but it just wasn't working. So they were all looking for a sign, saying, when... When will we be free again? So he was waiting and looking. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the first thing I want you to notice about signs is there's a connection here that Luke's telling us between seeing and being. Simeon is called a righteous and devout person. He's waiting for God. Literally, he's waiting for God to show up, to come along, to rescue. And in this story, 
Luke's gospel, we see that many people are, are actually described like Simeon. So you've got Mary, and she is devout and righteous. She's a young woman. She has a pure heart. She's responsive to God. You've got Zechariah, the person that you looked at two weeks ago. Here was an old man, also a priest, but he was devout. He was serving God, doing everything he could to obey God. And these are the people that receive a sign from God. And so the first thing I notice when I'm looking at it, because it's interesting, there's a connection between these people who are devout, who are obedient, who are seeking God, that God comes to visit them. And I, I think that's something we should note. As we go along further in this story, uh, we're not going to look in detail at her, but we're introduced to another person. This is an elderly woman named Anna. She's a widow, but she's also a prophetess. She's a person who, that God has been using to speak to his people, to the nation, and she's also hanging around the temple. And she also is very devoted to God, been obedient, dedicated her whole life to serving God. And these are the people that God is revealing himself to. People who are devoted to God usually catch signs that other people miss. These old people, especially, are devoted to God. Now, uh, just a word to the parents and the grandparents, and maybe some of you are great-grandparents here. I, I think it's noteworthy that old people are really at, at the core of this story. Um, the old people and very young people. Sorry, uh, us uh, middle-agers, we get left out in this thing. But, you know, you've got Mary and Joseph. They're young, young people. And then you've got uh, these elderly people. They're devout. And I thought about the importance of being parents and grandparents who are observant to what God is doing in our world, in our families, in our lives. I have bumped into many people, whether I'm on a flight and talking to them about their spiritual journey, where they talk about grandparents. My grandmother, someone prayed with me. And so moms and dads, grandparents, great-grandparents, you have a tremendous gift to be seeing things that other people are missing. Maybe it's this stage of life where they're working, their noses to the grindstone. They're young people. They're just thinking about, I got to get through this. You know, when I was in high school, I could think of nothing. Just get out of this jail, this prison that is school, you know, and I didn't want to think about anything else. Then you get through with that, and then you think, oh, okay, now I got to go to more school. And you're just, it's one thing to the next till you finally are always living for the next thing. When I get a job, when I get married, when I get out of debt, you know, and you're all of a sudden a decade, two decades are passed in your life. You're not thinking about the bigger picture, about what God might be doing, who you're, who you're becoming. And it's so important to have someone further down the road to speak into your life. I'm so grateful that I have parents like that. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, this is annoying. They're always talking about spiritual things. And Christmas is the worst of all. You know, you just want to get to the presents. They want to read the Bible story. Then we got to sing some carols. Then my mother gets out German carols. We've got to sing those too. That's torture, you know. So we're going through all these things. But as I go on in life, I realize what a treasure I have, that I have parents and grandparents who talk about spiritual things, who gather the family to pray together, who say, when we're traveling, let's stop and pray. Let's thank God today for this blessing. And you and I as parents, we need to help others 
see the signs. God is here. What is God saying? And I also want to challenge you as grandparents. So many grandparents, you know, the bumper sticker, you know, I'm spending my children's inheritance, you know, and off we are on the, you know, we're, look, we're going to travel now. And I'm nothing against if you've got an RV. Uh, if you do have that bumper sticker, you should get rid of that. Don't, uh, don't, don't have that on there. But, you know, uh, great, go on a cruise. But honestly, I don't understand. Like, oh, we're going to move to, you know, somewhere sunny and we're going to move to a retirement home. I was like, do you have... Do you have children? Do you have grandchildren? Do, do they mean something to you? Do you want to invest in their lives? Or is this about you? You know, it's not about you anymore. You have a gift to give these years to invest in your children and grandchildren, to point them to the Lord, to help them see where God is. And so these elderly people are so important in this story. And this is a great season. All of us, parents and grandparents, don't miss the time to gather your children, to read the scriptures to them. When you sit at the table, join hands in prayer together. Pray for them, pray over them, be involved and engaged as a believer. God reveals himself to people who seek after him. Now, Simeon here hung out at church all the time. They had a temple, so that's what they did. You're not going to hang out here at the event center waiting for church week in, week out. And, uh, and then Anna, it says, she fasted and prayed constantly. And uh, I don't think any of us are planning to fast, especially over the next holiday season. Maybe we should be, I don't know. But uh, how can I as a person be prepared to see the signs, Lord, that you are working in me, in my community? What kind of a heart and attitude do I need to cultivate so I don't miss you in my world, in my friendship circle, in my neighborhood, with my coworkers, in every conversation. Now, I just want to zoom out for a second and uh, argue with myself on this first point. There's a connection between being and seeing. So, because it raises a question, oh, well then, do only devout people see signs from God? And... For the rest of us, there's a great little piece of news. Because actually, God totally breaks these rules all the time. And even in this story, we find earlier in chapter 2 that there is some random shepherds out in a field just doing their job. And it doesn't say anything about them being devout and righteous. And they are out there twiddling their thumbs. You know, it's nighttime, counting sheep. And all of a sudden, the heavens open, and an angelic visitor comes, and they receive a sign. And God so graciously also speaks to people, all of us, who don't deserve it. We haven't been good at all. We're not devout in our life, and yet God is revealing himself to us. This is the gracious mercy of God. And so evident at this season, the love of God is poured out for everyone. God is showing himself to people. And that's going to come up a little later as we look at the specific revelation that God gave of himself to Simeon. It's a common theme. We need to understand that God reveals himself to random people, undeserving people, people like us. So here we've got Simeon, and let's look back at him. Verse 27, here's Simeon, and uh, the Holy Spirit is on him. God's Spirit is revealed to him in some way that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. I don't know how the Holy Spirit revealed that to him. I mean, 
how the Spirit speaks to individuals is um, that's as unique as, as there are individuals. Maybe he had a dream or maybe it was just an impression. I don't know if he was super clear like, oh, this is absolutely going to happen. I'm never going to die till this happens. But he was getting older, and I suppose he wondered. Anyway, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Have you ever been moved by the Spirit? Sometimes you just prompted to make a call or do something. Tan and I were prompted to go to Kelowna to visit somebody, not just prompted to go to Kelowna. But um, I couldn't tell you for sure that I felt like moved by the Spirit, but this was, somebody was sick, and, uh, and we know them, and they were going to the hospital, and Friday was not too booked, so I could cancel things. Janet was free, and, and we knew they didn't have anybody else up there, so we went, and the fellow was going in for heart surgery. It was actually John Marr. Uh, some of you might know John and Chris from uh, North Langley, so... Uh, we drove up there, and, and, and it turned out it was good that we went. Were we moved by the Spirit? I, I think so, but sometimes you just don't know. You know, it just seems like the right thing to do. And then sometimes you do something and say, oh, that, you know, you pick up a call and phone somebody, and you realize that person said, oh, thank you. I can't believe I was just praying for somebody to call. And then you, in hindsight, you go, oh, that was the Spirit. Well, this is something happening here to Simeon. He's moved by the Spirit. He goes into the temple courts, and the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. They're bringing Jesus in dedication. And Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. He sees this child and scoops the baby up in his arms. And I think that wouldn't have been uncommon. Simeon was, you know, there, had a, had a, had a role in the temple. And it, it's not like he snatched the baby from Joseph and Mary. Uh, you know, he was an elderly, uh, uh, devout man there. And he prayed a blessing over this baby. And he's moved by the Spirit. And he gives these prophetic words. The words come out of Simeon's mouth and his mind. But as, they, as he's speaking them, we realize these go way beyond just a little blessing on this child. And, and quite often, this is, by the way, how uh, prophetic things happen in our lives. We struggle sometimes to understand how does, what does that mean, a prophetic word. And, and it's when, you know, we step out, we see something, we want to maybe offer a prayer or a blessing, but as we're praying, we, we're lifted up by the Spirit of God to say things and believe things that, you know, in the normal realm, we wouldn't, we wouldn't believe or do. Uh, on Friday when we were up praying for John as he was going in, uh, you know, the doctors didn't give him a lot of hope. They just, he had had a, a heart attack. He's 57 years old. He's a big, strong man. He, he was just in Hawaii playing golf. I don't know how many rounds of golf. He's sort of semi-pro golf, golfer. Very healthy guy. Big, he used to be a football player. And, and, uh, but he was picking up a big Christmas tree uh, last Sunday, and he collapsed. He had a heart attack. They didn't know at that time. They took him into the hospital. He had another massive heart attack in the hospital. And... 
then they were checking his heart and said, well, you're at 20% heart function. So they sent him to Kelowna, and they, uh, they said, well, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know what we can do for you. You're beyond the damage. We can't do stints, nothing. But we'll take a look, and we'll run the die through. So as we were praying for him, I mean, John was making his peace with, with the Lord. I talked to him about, was he ready? And he had Chris there. They were shedding tears and saying goodbye, basically. But, you know, in my heart, praying, and I was talking to my wife later, her prayer, too, said, like, this isn't, he's not ready to die. This is a test. This is some kind of a test that God is taking him through. And John and I had been in a We're in Freedom session together at North Langley. And he's really working on stuff. He's so excited about putting his past behind him and dealing with some of the junk in his life. He'd been so cranked about this, really overly excited. I'm like, John, you know, it's just like, whatever. It'll be okay, you know. But he's like, no, this is awesome, man. And so I also had a sense, like, this is this is weird. This isn't right. It's not, you know, he's not, he shouldn't be dying. God has work for this guy to do. So we were just praying along those lines. And uh, he went in and uh, they came out and said, oh, uh, actually his heart's just, uh, all his arteries, everything's all clear. And uh, his heart just is enlarged, which is serious, but maybe he had a virus or something. So he's good to go and uh, we'll send him home. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I don't know, you know, I I hate to call that a healing and a miracle because his heart's still enlarged and he has some work to do, but it was like, yes, God, you know, thank you for that. And, And we just give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness. So sometimes prophetic words are things we step out in faith, we're a little uncertain, but it feels like God is prompting us to share, but Simeon gets a clear word and it's, and the word is... Uh, amazing. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. I don't know how he could have such an assurance, but he's like, I'm good to go, Lord. Like, beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) You know, I'm ready to leave this life. This baby, I see the salvation that you have prepared in the sight of all people. This is a prophetic word because he's just holding a little infant with a young unmarried couple there. And he says, this is the fulfillment This is the salvation. Then he says, verse 32, this baby is a light for revelation to the nations. Now his his words just stretch out over all of the world, all of the known world. This child is for all the nations, all the tribes, all the peoples, every language. Wow. Amazing prophetic insight. And a sign. Jesus is God's sign for the nations. My eyes have seen your salvation. God is communicating for all people. Jesus came for all people. That's why we have a mission. That's why Jericho is here in the community. And on the way in, I passed by the the new high school over there. And I saw um, Living Waters has a church there. And I know others, I see the list where you're gathering. There's churches all over. And I thought, it's so exciting and so good. There's a new community that churches are being. So people see the witness because God cares about the people of our community and our world. He's given Jesus as a sign for the nations. He wants to be known and he's communicating to us through his word and signs of his presence. He speaks to those whose hearts are open, to those who are seeking, but he also is bringing his light and revelation to people who know nothing of him. Revelation 3.16, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek the kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We're always encouraged to seek. And God is so graciously revealing himself. In Romans 10.10, God says, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. That is good news. God reveals himself to people who are not even seeking. And I don't know about you, but I could definitely say I feel more like the shepherds than like Simeon. I'm not like Anna. I haven't been praying and fasting all my life and devoted myself to, you know, just purely seeking the Lord. I'd be more like those shepherds. La-di-da, what's going on? Sailing through life. And God chose me. He revealed himself to me. He's called you, not because you deserve it, because he is a gracious God who gave himself. He gave himself to us. We're those people. We're all nations. That's why we have this mission, why God has put us here. And it's an amazing gift. God is revealing himself to people like you and me, people who are not devout, not righteous. We're sinful and self-centered and too often even proud of it. But God is reaching out to us with a sign of his love. And he's doing it at Christmas in amazing ways. And that's one thing I totally love about, you know, I'll put up with the marketing. I'll put up with all the Starbucks mugs just to go in. And I'll put up with Jingle Bells and all the songs, and they're fun. But every once in a while, I'll hear a true Christmas carol. And I'll hear the praises of God sung. And I'll hear about the Messiah. And whether it's Boney M singing, you know, Mary's boy child. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the whole gospel is told. And you know, that man should be live forevermore and our sins be set free. And I'm going, yeah. This message of the sign of God's goodness is coming through in this season. This is the season when God is revealing himself. What a precious gift. God is literally bringing the nations to himself. And here's when I think about the signs of the times that we live in. God's up to stuff in the world. You know, when Jesus spoke about the last days, he said, you, there will be many signs. And he warned us. He said, watch. You be alert. Don't be asleep. There will be earthquakes and famines. There will be signs in the heavens. And I think about our time that we live in. There are signs with global warming, issues going on in the world, famines, earthquakes, wars constantly. Crazy things happening. Donald Trump. <laughs> it's just like, wow, you know, where's the world going to be? And I think, what is God up to? You know, people freaking out about all these refugees. Look at Europe, hundreds of thousands, almost a million refugees moving into Germany. Muslims, they're going to terrorize. What are they going to do? God is at work. God is bringing people to himself. Two weeks ago, we had a little insert from our MB mission. Randy Friesen printed that story. I don't know, some of you might have read it. We have a Mennonite Brethren Church. We have a, a number of them in Germany, but they're mostly populated by immigrant groups that came from out of, out of Russia and out of East Germany. So Neuwied is a little town there. I actually have some cousins that are there in the Mennonite Brethren Church. But these churches are made up of immigrants, and they're lively, vibrant churches, but they're a little bit, you know, uh, the rest of the German community looks at these people who came out of Russia and speak German. It's like, eh, you guys... So they saw all these Syrians coming and said, well, we should help them because we know what that feels like. So they began helping the Syrians, and then they said, well, let's host a day uh, to introduce Muslims to Jesus. So I can't remember what they called it, but like, um, come and meet Jesus day. Seventy-five 
Muslims came to the day at the church to come and meet, hear about Jesus. Samir Youssef, our uh, MB mission guy who, uh, from Egypt, he was there. He spoke in the morning. The people didn't want to go home, so he kept speaking in the afternoon. Then towards the end, he felt led to give an altar call. That's not something you do with a group of Muslims. First of all, it's a miracle that they're in church at all. And secondly, they just aren't going to, you know, respond. But he felt led. Fifty of the 75 came forward. They said, we want to follow Jesus. We want to leave behind Islam. We want to follow the Messiah, Jesus. God is doing something amazing. He's bringing the nations to himself. And these movements that cause so much fear and anxiety, people, we need to believers to see these are signs. He's given his son to everyone as a light for the nations. And God is doing it. God is revealing himself. The third thing and last thing about signs is that, that I see here in this text is that signs from God are not always easy. We, uh, we would love mostly simple signs, you know, uh, signage should be clear, should be simple, you know, stop, go, black and white. And a lot of times we wish God would be that simple with us. Just tell me when, say yes or say no. But it's not always that way. Verse 33 and following, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Signs from God are not always easy. Jesus' life was not a picnic. He suffered much. Rejection, misunderstanding, hardship, loneliness, abuse... Even in the nativity story in, uh, the other God, in Matthew's gospel, we read about how Herod then uh, came after and uh, killed all of these uh, young boys in the, in the region of Bethlehem because he wanted to kill, uh, kill Jesus. Many times we're looking for a sign from God because we have a selfish goal in mind. We want to find the way to happiness. We want a sign from God that we might be healthy. We want a sign from God to bless our business deal. It's how we pray. God, get me out of this problem. Just give me a sign. Lord, if you could just make this guy love me, if you could just bless this deal. But the signs from God are about bigger issues than just our personal happiness. And we will miss so much of God if we're fixated on that kind of prayer and thinking, treating God like he's just there to make me happy. Simeon spoke these words to Mary, and he said, this child will cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. You know, there are, there are people that drawn to him and people that rejected him. Some received life, and some were pushed into, their, into darkness by their decisions and rejection. And we should not kid ourselves that the decision to follow Christ is a decision that will just be followed by many signs of happiness and success and prosperity. The signs in our life may lead to suffering. Jesus said, you know, I came, when, you, you think I just came to make you happy? No, I came to bring division. There will be division within families. There will be heartbreak between loved ones. And so there are choices that will be made. But God 
wants us to know that he is a loving father, that he has given us his son, that he's given us everything, his own presence. Don't be so busy looking for signs of happiness and fulfillment. And especially, I think about this season that we're in. Christmas is a time of signs. And we celebrate with lots of gifts. And those are signs, too, of God's generosity and goodness to us. But let's remember the sign, the most wonderful sign, that God has given himself to us and for all people. And that sign might mean difficulty on the road ahead. It doesn't always mean happiness. It doesn't always mean that there is the healing that we're praying for. But God will never leave us. He's given himself, his very self, to us. This is the greatest gift and the greatest sign that he could give. So may the Lord bless you and bless us together during this season of signs. Don't be frustrated by all the kitsch. And just keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus and look for opportunities to be a sign to others. To help them see the signs of his presence. Let's pray together.